0: Hi and welcome to Great Green Questions. My name's Juliette Davenport and the purpose of this podcast is to delve into the ambiguities of living green in a modern world. This morning I'm walking the dogs through a rainy Cotswold wood. Uh, Dora as in Dora the Explorer, Hamilton as in Alexander Hamilton and Elwood as in Jake and Elwood. You can probably guess who named the dogs and what their ages are. The backstory to this is that I grew up in a high carbon world and properly high carbon. That was that my mum and dad were both rallying co-drivers and I probably spent more time on the side of a racetrack growing up than I did in a green field. So this week's great green questions is, can you be an environmentalist and still love cars? Helping me to get to the bottom of this are two fantastic panelists. First of all, Robert. Robert is a petrol head turned electric car and renewable advocate and now hosts the fully charged show the world's number 1 clean energy and electric vehicle video challenge which has over 110 million views he probably knows a few things about electric vehicles and then my next panelist is Ishan now Ishan started life as bollywood dance choreographer now if i was reborn i think this is what i would want to be he then turned into a banker so less attractive but ended up as a stand up comedian He appears on Mock of the Week, QI, and is a regular host on the BBC Asian Network. He was named the Young Environmentalist of the Year in his childhood, and he calls on comedy as a way of getting through to people and getting them to think and feel differently about important issues. Now, in this podcast, we spend a little bit of time laughing, but we do get into it and we talk about cycling wars and can you overtake the men in Lycra, but without feeling guilty. Whether buying a new EV is better than running an old diesel car into the ground, or do we even need to own a car in the future? We also get into the the environmental issues around electric vehicles, like the subject of cobalt, and do we risk solving one environmental problem and creating another? I think we had quite a lot of fun. I learned a lot, I know, but I hope you enjoy listening to it today. Anyway, enough from me, and over to today's show.
1: Oh, my goodness, something, I've done something very profoundly wrong. I've messed everything up. (laughs) Can you see anybody, Robert? I can see you and me, that's all. Okay. See me? No, I can't needs- see you. You just disappeared. But I hadn't touched anything when you disappeared. I didn't make. Mm. I can hear him. So if that's all. Ah, there you are. There you ah, are. You okay, take a bit of, of a that. delay. Fine.
0: Okay, let's go then. Right. So, hi everybody, and welcome to Great Green Questions. A lot of people can feel really guilty about not being the perfect environmentalist. I know I definitely do. Do we have to give up flying to fight the big fight? Is being vegan the only way to save the planet? and our banana's really bad. So I'm gonna kick off with my environmental confession. I am an environmentalist, but I grew up with a father who was a rally driver, and I grew up loving fast cars. I think my father put me on a tractor when I was seven, and ever since then, I've been in a love affair. So my big question for this week is, can I be an environmentalist and still love cars? So I have a fantastic panel to help me discuss this issue today. Can my panel introduce yourselves?
2: Hi, everyone. My name is Ishan Akbar. I'm a stand-up comedian, a writer and a broadcaster, but I think I'm most well-known on the streets as the Young Environmentalist of the Year runner-up 1997. And I would describe my relationship with cars as something that has really badly impacted my credit rating.
1: That's great. Hello, my name is Robert Llewellyn. I am sort of a really bad actor, a comedy performer and an obsessive fanatic about engineering and science communication. And I make a series called Fully Charged about the future of electric vehicles and uh, the energy transition. And I would describe my relationship with cars as very deeply conflicted.
0: So Ishan, dancing banker comedian... That's what, that's what my brief on you was. And I have to say, so I'm so pleased to meet you. It's brilliant. You're sitting there with your yellow background, looking very happy. I, I shared with you my confession. So, yeah. so what's yours?
2: So my confession is I am an environmentalist, but I know that I order way too many things online and am definitely contributing to air miles, road miles. Let's just call them pollution miles all over the shop. And I try to get better by trying to do same day delivery. But then I remember something else to buy because they can can put the deliveries together. They're like, oh, do you want all your deliveries together? I'm like, yes, please. I'll get three of these things together. Do the order. I'm like, actually, I really need a thimble. Let's just order that now. So I know that I'm obsessively online shopping and it's bad for deliveries and the impact on the environment.
0: So it's less your driving, it's everybody else in white vans driving.
2: Juliet, one thing you'll learn about me is I blame everyone else instead of (laughs) myself for the problems that are abound.
0: I think that's a good place to start. (laughs) Robert, you forever immortalised less as a sort of petrolhead, more I'm afraid for me is Crichton. Yes. You are always in my heart, as Crichton. But was was he a petrol head himself? I mean, I, I'm going to ask you about what your guilty secret was. But do you think Crichton had one too?
1: I mean, it might be uh, the overuse of, of of highly corrosive cleaning fluids. Because I mean, he loved <laughs> he did love a spotless toilet, uh, not unlike myself. Um, I like I like having a good scrub. So I'm I'd rather uh, you know I'm sure there are much more environmentally gentle uh, cleansing products. But I quite like using the caustic stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, really, that almost burns the enamel off. Um, no, I think because I wouldn't call myself an environmentalist simply because of the way I've lived my life in that I have driven cars and flown all around the world a lot. I'm married to an Australian and have an Anglo-Australian family. You can't get two countries that are further apart I suppose I could have married a New Zealander that would have been slightly worse
2: <laughs> yeah so, but your know. wife might be quite upset well done on managing the relationship at that far apart good
1: work flying it's, every yeah, week <laughs> actually when we were when Judy was living in Australia and I was here we got on really well it's only when she's here it gets stressful <laughs>
0: Ishan, do you get in the car every day or do you not even have a car?
2: I, I, I have a car and it's a petrol car. It's not, you know, an electric car, or even a diesel car for that matter. But I'm, I've been told I don't pay you, Les, So I think that's a good thing. But I get in the car maybe once a week and my partner lives in Lancaster. So I travel by train quite frequently uh, a bit like Robert, actually, you know, it's long distance. And yeah. uh, similarly, we get we get on better when we're far apart. So, <laughs> but I, I do for my sins take the train maybe three times a month up and down between Lancaster and London. But my usage of the car has it decreased significantly because of the circumstances. There's nowhere for me to go except Tesco's and Morrison's. But I would say that I would be I'm one of those rare breed of comedians who's happy to drive into central London with my car. <laughs>
0: What, and just leave it there, or
2: yeah, just leave it there. I'm like, you know what? I don't earn enough money. Let me just pay the NCP rate for the next two. Why not? But yeah, I'm happy to drive to a gig. I think it's, I do it slightly to stop me from drinking too much. To be fair,
0: <laughs> excellent. And 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 Robert, I mean, you li- you live out in the sticks, don't you? Yes. How do yes. you get around? Is the car just inevitable?
1: Yeah, you do use the car. In last summer, I, I did for the first time ever, I used an electric pedal assist bike to go to the supermarket. Oh. So our nearest supermarket is seven and a half miles away with some big hills. So it's quite yeah. a challenge to do it on your bike. But I did it on my pedal assist bike Phil, and then did sort of normal shopping and then realised, this is really heavy on a, <laughs> in a rucksack, which is what I had over my shoulders. <laughs> so I cycled yeah. back and that was, yeah, I went, I'm probably going to get less next time I do that. But no, so... We do use car. We have electric cars and and we do use them. But I mean, to a, a fraction of how much I normally do. So I'm normally driving quite a lot to go and film stuff and to go to locations and to go to yeah. meetings or whatever. And and that's completely stopped. So our, our annual mileage has dropped by 80 percent, I would think. So it's really literally just going up the road to the shops is all I ever do in the cars.
0: Yeah. And and Isha, would you said, what about an electric bike for you then? Is that is that an option or? An electric bike.
2: I've got a question about the electric bike. So you know, no, okay, yeah. this is going to sound really stupid, and you can laugh at me. <laughs> it's fine. Does it work in the way where you st- you start pedalling and you can just lift your feet off it and it just keeps going?
1: Uh, uh, le- that- Legally, you, you're not allowed to do that uh. in the UK. You can, so a pedal, uh, because then it effectively becomes a moped that said Fine. that said there's an awful lot of electric bikes that require the smallest of sop- software upgrades <laughs> and a tiny little thumb <laughs> throttle and you you can do it well what it what it tends to be is like if you get a little electric moped that is and you have to wear a helmet and it has to have a number plate and all that gotcha. that will go 50 60 miles because it's got a much bigger battery on a oh, on a pedal assist bike you can wipe out the battery in 10, 15 miles because if you don't pedal, if you pedal, you've got like 50 or 60 miles range because it's yeah. helping nice. you. It's not, it's not yeah. driving you all the way. So it is, I mean, I have two different electric bikes and one of them does allow me to override the software, so it's technically illegal. It only goes up to 15 miles an hour flat out, so it's not that fast. Hopefully,
2: you've gathered my unwavering commitment to doing as little exercise <laughs> as possible. <In, laughs> lie from that, I I bought a, a bike once, uh, and this was basically I. I got a short-term job at the Guardian. and I wanted to fit in, so I got myself a folding bike, one of these Brompton things. Yeah. And I thought, right, you know, I'm going to wear red trousers, ride my Brompton. It's going to be <laughs> idyllic, brilliant. <laughs> I I'd nearly got run over at the Old Street roundabout, and I thought, right, Legal. I can't do this. Yeah. Let me go on Regent's uh, on the Regent's Canal path. That was even worse. There were joggers, (laughs) there were couples, there were babies, there were dogs. And I just thought, cycling is just not for me. I can't
1: do (laughs) it. It is is terrifying. I mean, I've cycled in London for many years when I lived there. And, you know, I survived, which is miraculous. But it's so, I mean, the bits where they have put in cycle lanes, like the embankment, is is just transformative. I mean, it's just so nice to cycle along there because you hear a truck that's on the road, you're not worried that it's actually going to crush you any second because it's <laughs> yeah, right behind you. Yeah. You know, so I've got in... The first time in my life been in bike jams rather than traffic jams. You know, we get up to Westminster Bridge. And there was like 250 bikes in front of me. And i go,
0: oh, God, nowhere to wait. Yeah, what's and, going on here? You know, yeah, there were so <laughs> many
1: bikes. But I absolutely understand. Going round the yeah. Old Street roundabout on a bike is... Challenge yeah, awesome.
0: but the best—I think—the best thing about them is I have an electric bike, and it I live in a hilly bit, so it flattens all the hills. Yeah. But the best thing is going past all the other cyclists as you go up the hill on your electric yeah. bike See, and it.
1: I feel guilty. I can't do oh, that. I will stall. I will stall and go slower. So I don't do it.
0: Never feel guilty about the men in lycra. There
1: is. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's a there's a cutoff point. I think a man can wear lycra up to the ripe old age of 22. And after yeah. that, it's just an offence to the eye.
2: When you say 22, do you mean age or stone? 22,
1: <laughs> age, and, and very few stone. But yes, no one needs to see that. It's, it's the cru- Someone described Lycra to me once as the cruelest cloth. Which I think is a very good description.
0: <laughs> yeah. Too true. Too true. And, and I mean, no, we've talked about electric bikes versus normal bikes. What what about electric vehicles versus diesel or petrol cars, or as I now call them, fossil cars? I quite like yeah, the idea. Fossil, yeah, fossil cars. cars. Yeah. Do you think I mean Ishan, have you driven an electric car? You've got you've not got one now, but have you been in one? Have you have I- you? experience one i've
2: been in one not driven one i've been driven in one god what a charmed life (laughs) i i absolutely do want to get an electric car i think inherently to me it feels like the right thing to do so i can see myself definitely getting one i think my only concern with it slightly is i don't know whether there are enough provision points For Ah. recharging, and I don't know because I do gigs up and down the country to rural parts of Wales. I don't want to get stuck with uh, an electric (laughs) car just trying to find a plug point in a cafe. (laughs) Can I please plug (laughs) my car in?
0: (laughs) So, is this? I mean, I've always wondered. So, when I when when you see in depth sort of insights into the lives of comedians, there is a level of anxiety about being a comedian already, is there not? Stand up is quite stressful.
2: Not for me. I'm very, very deluded. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Maybe that's how you need to be about electric charging anxiety. What do you think, Robert? Should we be more deluded uh, about you, electric chargers?
1: Exactly. You need to be utterly deluded and just sail along going, I know there'll be amazing, easy to use, reliable chargers wherever I go. <laughs> just do that. And you'll, and you'll be fine because, strangely enough, there kind of generally is. There are When you mentioned Wales, there has been a lot of angry electric vehicle owners who live in Wales who are furious <laughs> about the lack of charging provision in Wales. They sound <laughs> quite it's, scary. It's getting better. It's getting better. But yeah, you're right. No, I mean, that is a big challenge. And it's definitely a big challenge. Actually, I think you would have less trouble outside London when you were driving around doing gigs because there's right. actually it's actually easier once you're... London is, is a challenge because you're... I mean, presumably you park your car on a street. You, you don't have a car park off the yes, street yeah. for it. no. Yeah. So you know that's always a, 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 you know there are loads of people who do it and it is doable but you've got to be really committed whereas if you can park park your car at your house it's it's just a doddle. So anyone who owns a house with a space to park a car has zero excuse to not have an electric car now. Everyone well, right, who rob that? No no, get one. I don't and I I will not forgive them. <laughs> ever. But the, but for, it's it is a real challenge if you if you're just parking it on the street. But once you're outside London you know yeah. there are things like there's a thing called ZapMap which tells you where every charger is, and there are tens of thousands of them. I mean they're really, really common. Wow. Okay. And, and the best thing of all, and I've done this once on white because I do after dinner. I used to do stand up, but I, I do after dinner talks and award ceremonies and corporate gigs like that. That's how I yeah, earn my yeah. living. And on the rare occasions if it's at a posh hotel and you drive in the car park and you go. Oh, because there's a row of chargers that are free to use. Right, you drive yeah. up to that, plug it in, do the gig, come out. You've added 150 miles for nothing. Drive home, don't you? I didn't wait for a second to charge the car, and that's my always my goal. Never wait. I guess it's like one of those
2: things where you, you only you only ever see them if you're looking out. for Exactly. Them. It's, you, yes. It's like sometimes when I bought, when I bought my first car, it was my second car actually was yellow. And after that I only ever saw yellow cars. You see in yellow red. cars everywhere,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. So I can probably like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> that's, that's,
2: I'm actually um, sat in front of my car. That,
1: exactly. Yes, <laughs> <no. laughs>
0: <laughs> For everybody else who can't see this there is a very yellow background. Beautiful yellow. I mean <laughs> oh, I did see quite an inventive case in London Robert when I was walking I was walking through North London about sort of six well pre-lockdown when I was allowed to walk through North London somebody had heard they had an extension need Across their garden, out through a tree where there was a conversion plug in the tree, and then over the pavement and then into the car. Into the car and I yeah. thought that was quite oh, wow. impressive and innovative, that, shows, that
1: shows true commitment. Yeah,
0: yeah. somewhere somewhere I have the photograph of it. Yeah. But Robert, from your point of view, you are you are a real kind of EV head. Is that what we call you now? Can we I, I have it doesn't no work. idea. An I mean, Ev-Head,
1: <laughs> I don't know if there, is, there isn't really a... I mean, a, a vault head, some, some people have said, or a, I don't know what the term head. is. But a spark head. is quite good, yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I've actually seen both of them play
1: before, actually, as it happens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sparkhead, yeah, Nebworth.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were at Nebworth back in 78. They were that brilliant. That was quite yeah.
0: nice, I like it. Um, but, but could you ever go back to a fossil car?
1: No. I mean, I, what I want to do is get to a point where I don't have a car but that I have access to a car when I need it. That's my ultimate goal. I don't think I'm going to live long enough. But, you know, to use a car sharing service, especially where I live, if I live in London, uh, you know, yep. that's very different. So two mm. mates of mine both live in London, uh, my age, well-off people, they're not poor. They, ne- they don't own cars because where do you park them? And they use, you know, Zipcar, I think, and they've used the electric Zipcars. They've been out mm-hmm. here in them because uh, they know they can charge it when they're here so they can get back home, you know. So, you know, so I would, I, that's my dream is to not own a car really Uh, in a way but certainly now I would never I just wouldn't dream I drove a combustion car in Italy on holiday about three years ago and, I, and it was weird, because I haven't driven one for so long. I kept yeah. stalling, because it was manual. I had to do the clutch <laughs> yeah. thing. And I kept going, when it came to the, the like a junction, it would go, <laughs> because I didn't put the clutch in. And i oh, clutch, oh, my God. And you, know, and really. you were stroking
2: the dashboard instead of a navigation screen. Just, <laughs> people were I, thinking, what's this guy doing? I was trying
1: to expand the speedometer. <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't move. It just stayed the same. Yeah. no. So it was, that was a, a bizarre experience. And I, so, yeah, no, I would never go back, now.
0: So your your mates came down to you to charge and do you charge them when they come to you? No. Do you, do you no, get do you get a, a little, that, little I, receipt? I just, would love just to charge.
1: <laughs> it was they were here in the summer, and so most of my electricity is from the roof, which is good. So they were and yeah. they really love that. They were charging right. off the solar. You know, that made them very happy. So yeah, but no, I think that would be a little churlish. I think there are people have tried to develop schemes, haven't they, where you can rent their parking space and and use their charger in a city and that you you pay you pay through a third party and they get paid for it but yeah yeah i think it'd be a bit mean there's a lot actually when i think of it a lot of people have come here in electric cars and plugged in quite happily (laughs) (laughs) i've never had a i've never had a penny from any of them
0: (laughs) well you could just imagine the arguments with the in-laws when you turn up and they don't really like you very much and you charge (laughs) it's not gonna be happen is it
1: no, well particularly as the in laws would have to fly from Brisbane in Australia. That would be, you know, there's an <laughs> extra really cost. Yes.
0: <laughs> I mean, in terms of the EV, there's always this bit of debate about new versus old. And kind of we've got we've got a bunch of cars out there already. Do do we really think, is it better for the environment now to buy an EV or to, if you have got your fossil car, just keep running it into the ground? And at what what point do you think they outweigh each other? Do we do we still need to have this debate?
1: I mean, if someone is in a position to buy a new car, this is the really critical thing. If yeah. someone is in a position to buy a new car, not secondhand, a new one, and they go, oh, I'm going to buy the new, brand new diesel Range Rover, <laughs> then I am highly, highly morally yeah. and ethically critical of them. Because if they can afford that, then buy an electric car because they they do the same job, but they do it better and cheaper and with less damage to other people that you're driving past. So that's really the only thing. I absolutely think if you've got an old petrol or diesel car now that works and you're prepared to pay the endless amount of money to fuel it and maintain it <laughs> yeah. then keep it but i mean there are now increasingly uh, re- very reasonable second-hand electric cars coming on the market which is which is what i never ever bought a new car in my life until i had electric cars because it wouldn't occur to me because they're so expensive yeah. and i i'd yeah. look at them and i go oh i'd love the you know the R32 Golf which is the only car I've ever bought which wasn't was that no so even that was second hand you know it's just Buying a brand new car is an incredible expense and privilege. And, you know, and I mean, they're costing a fortune. I mean, yeah. many people say electric cars are too expensive. I go, a petrol car is thousands and thousands of pounds. How can that? Yeah. You know, they're, their cars are too expensive. Don't buy them. You know, it's my argument, really. But don't I mean, buy so I, I lease mine. So, I mean, I'm renting my cars yeah. for three or four years and then I give them back and I don't get anything back. I've just paid rent for it. But, you know, I'd rather do that than buy, I can't afford to buy a car. You know, they're. My, yeah. The car I've got out there is forty thousand pounds. I mean, that's that's nearly as much as my house. But I did buy my house a long time ago.
2: Oh God! As a millennial, that makes yeah. me so I know. angry. I know. <laughs> 50, Fifty-five thousand
1: pounds. My house was. Oh God!
0: <laughs> I and bought sh-
1: mobile phones for more. <laughs> <laughs> and my house is huge.
0: <laughs> okay, Robert. No, it's, it's not very big. It's not, it head. <laughs> of an ethical dilemma let's say let's say you live in Poland don't know whether you've ever thought of living in Poland but let's say you did um, some good comedy for,
1: clubs though.
2: if what? I lived in Poland they'll do their own version of Brexit which is brown people out wouldn't they and they call it
0: Brexit oh don't yes they oh, yeah. well okay so, I mean, so all the power comes from coal yeah do we buy an electric vehicle there or do we do we just not bother and, and go down the buy the fossil car just because if I switched it to a non-fossil car, then I'm just buying fossil through my electricity system? What what do you think? Is that is that too hard to think about or?
2: I mean, yes, it is too hard to think about you, but I'm going to (laughs) try my best. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say this much, you know, it's not just the bit that we're taking out from the earth. So we're taking coal, yeah, fine, it fires up both. But it's what happens after you bought the car. So to maintain the car that's running on petrol, I suspect, is costing the environment a lot more than an electric car would. So therefore, at that point, logic would dictate that where the choice is between the two, if something is being powered by coal, electric or fossil, you go for the electric option because long term, the impact's going to be less.
0: Yeah, Robert, just, well, you're nodding, nodding a lot.
1: I'm nodding. Well, because that was a brilliant analysis, because that's the thing that uh, oh, so many you. people who haven't haven't considered <laughs> it don't take that into consideration. And the simple fact is, if you take a kilowatt hour of energy, mm. be it in the form of petrol or electricity and you run an electric car on a kilowatt hour of electricity, it will uh, uh, travel between three and five miles on that kilowatt hour of electricity. If you put a kilowatt hour of energy in the form of petrol in a combustion car, it will travel between four and 700 metres. Wow. That is how much more efficient an electric car is. So if you use an electric car in Poland, it's using the energy that's coming from burning coal so efficiently that it's right. still hugely cleaner. And a really important point that's never used in the advertising for new petrol and diesel cars is the petrol and diesel doesn't come out of a pump. It existed before you got to the garage or you fill it up. Yes, and yes. the journey it went on from the ground in Saudi Arabia, the North Sea outside Norway, or the Russian steppes, which is where we get all our oil and gas from, is, has a profound environmental impact and an energy impact. We use electricity to refine petrol and diesel. We also use cobalt to remove sulphur, which is always an argument that anti-electric vehicle people go, what about the cobalt in batteries? You know, cobalt has always been used to remove sulphur from diesel, particularly diesel, but also petrol.
2: I think crucially as well, though, particularly with the pandemic, it's changed the reasons why we would want to be in a car. So because the world of work has completely changed, I actually think there could be, this could be a seminal moment where, People think I don't need to commute in a car to go to work in a faraway place. Yeah. Therefore, I use my car for leisure purposes predominantly. And by by that extension, I, I will make a conscious choice to make sure that it's more environmentally yeah. friendly. Yeah. That's what the hope is anyway. Yeah.
0: yeah. And Robert, you just touched on something there that that is really interesting. We do get this question a lot. So more than sixty percent of cobalt, which is a key component of electric car batteries, comes from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. Country Frequently criticised for child labour, modern slavery, and criminal yeah. practices. I mean, is there a danger that we switch solving one problem by creating EV, creating another social and environmental problem? What, what do we do oh, with that?
1: Without question, there is a danger. And I mean, uh, the important, I think, a very important point is that the, the the next generation of batteries that are already being commercially produced don't have cobalt at all, so they don't use any. A small battery. so batteries in your phone your laptop your uh, tablet all require cobalt when they're at that scale to make them safe so quite a large percentage of the battery in a small electronic device is cobalt so that right. is much much harder to solve when you're building a big battery pack it's actually proven to be quite easy to reduce cobalt so the, the fact they use a set of cobalt Cobalt is only used as a safety thing, so to stop right. a, a battery overheating. And that the complexities of battery chemistry, I'm not going to attempt. Which is only, <laughs> yeah. you know, when people have explained to me, and I'm sitting there going, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I'm trying to absorb. And then, and then, five seconds later, if they said, "Can you repeat what I just told you?" And yeah. I have understood it. And I go, but I, uh, yeah, no, it's very hard. <laughs> anode. I can say anode and cathode.
0: Yeah, no. I got banned from taking my electric bike on a train the other day because apparently... Oh, it could explode. Yes. And not as really?
1: It's unbelievable. That's, that <laughs> thing is such a brilliant wow. piece of fud, isn't it? Because if you took yes. a petrol little moped on <laughs> yeah. with a petrol tank, that's incredibly explosive, dangerous liquid. that is it's also toxic to breathe. But that's fine. Yeah. yeah. When did yes. it? No, oh, anyway, yeah. But so the. But you're absolutely right, and I mean, I think that it is a really good thing that that story exploded about children uh, digging up cobalt in the Democratic yeah. Republic of the Congo, because it it reminded everyone to think. Oh, hang on, how do we do this? There's also like enormous amounts of investment and moves to do deep sea mining for. I've got some here. So metal nodules that exist on the floor of the Pacific four or five thousand meters below the surface of the thing and there's a huge debate going on because this is the most concentrated materials that we need for all the modern electronics we use so you you pick up a lump of stuff and you would use a hundred percent of it there's no waste material it's copper manganese iron uh, you know all the things that we would need all in these lumps things. And they've been they've been down there forty million years, you know, hundred million years. I find probably.
2: things like this amazing that people can find stuff yeah. at the bottom of the sea. I felt like I've lost my glasses for half an hour and they're on my face. Yes. Exactly. I, I'm meant to be the future of society. This is not gonna end well.
1: But the danger is you finding your glasses on your face relatively benign experience for you and the rest of the world. There's not a lot of yes. energy lost there. But then yes. it's, it's scraping the seabed. Yes. You know, so there's exactly. those, so we've got to be aware of all those things. But I think that here's the the really critical thing is and i was so pleased when we managed to do this we filmed in a battery recycling plant in germany that is yeah. basically it's it's a huge facility and it's basically 90 percent dormant at the moment because all the batteries that we were told would be thrown away after a year by jeremy clarkson are still working so they're waiting yeah. for the first generation but they can recycle 94 percent of the materials in a battery pack wow which is yeah. uh, wow. what was great was the engineer German engineer that was interviewed he, he, when he said we can do a ninety four percent and they go oh that is amazing no they are very disappointed yeah of course. <laughs> and you go what we are we, we are aiming for ninety six percent so it is a great problem we are still working
2: sounds like my dad <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: But that. But what I always want to say is, show me a liter of diesel that's been recycled after use, yeah. just, yeah. just yeah. once. You know, because that's the that's the big difference. And that one of the mining people I spoke to, and this is my favourite quote from a mining engineer: by twenty, he's Australian. By twenty fifty, we've got to stop digging shit up. <laughs> which I thought yes. was a really good. You know, we yes. have to create a circular economy that we use that stuff. It lasts for 25 years. We melt it down. We turn it into something else. We use it again. We've got to, you know, to live on yeah. the planet. We've got to. We haven't got enough. Yeah. Anyway.
0: And, Aneeshan, I mean, the, the Coldboard example is just kind of one of many where, where we kind of see sometimes a, a global inequality about how we solve some of these big environmental questions. I mean... Is are there any other examples? And do you think we can get our heads around how we might start to be more inclusive about how we solve environmental problems?
2: This is a very good question, actually, because <clears throat> so for, for listeners who don't know, I'm of a British Asian persuasion. Persuasion?
1: <laughs> Sorry, I've just simply now. I don't know it's what such a good you term. Got. <laughs> you're, not, you're not actually a British Asian, you're just of the persuasion.
2: Of the persuasion. <laughs> Anyway, right, back to it. But so unbeknownst to me, I grew up in a household that was incredibly environmentally aware, but they didn't know they were doing it because yeah. they weren't versed with the language. So yeah. particularly, you know, my mom's from Bangladesh, my dad's from Pakistan. Bangladesh, as we know, is a place of real environmental interest for the world anyway. Yeah. But, you know, in terms of reusing things, recycling things, making sure we get the most out of everything we've got, have uh, a little you have. And I feel like a lot of the conversations, whether it's electric cars, you know, my dad, he comes from an environment where you buy a car because it shows progress and it shows yeah. that you are succeeding in your life. And for him to be able to get to a point where actually not owning a car is you saying that you're thinking about the world around you is a huge leap. So yeah. for my dad's generation, it's going to be much harder. You know, Robert was saying earlier, some of his friends don't want to own it. I don't want to own a car. I want to get to a point. Especially if I live in London, I can get around where I need to get to and do click and collect or get deliveries, whatever. When I told my dad I don't want to buy a car, he just said, well, why did I work so hard then? <laughs> like, you have no ambition. I'm like, no, no, my ambition is something different. So yeah. I think in terms of in- inclusive conversation, we have to be aware of where, when I say where people are coming from, where their mindset about the environment is coming from. Yeah, and and I don't know if that conversation necessarily happens so much. It'd be nice to see that take place a bit more.
0: No, I agree. I mean, I think I think we need to we need to prompt it quite often because I think there's a lot of technical discussion. But I mean, Scrap Peep Challenge, perfect example. Yeah. That we're using. I mean, Robert, can we bring Scrap Peep Challenge back? I love Scrap Peep.
1: Challenge. There is there is a quite advanced, of course, everything held up. So we were meant to actually quite advanced development to do a pilot episode. Admittedly of a show called Zap Heap Challenge, which is using the electronics from crashed electric cars, of which there's an ample supply from Norway because there's so many <laughs> electric cars there. And as our, our Dutch friend that we and were working
0: Norwegians. with. And there's Norwegians.
1: Yeah, there's Norwegians. <laughs> and as a lovely Dutch guy we are working with who does recycling batteries and builds things yeah. with them. He said, I love Norway. It's a very slippery country. Because <laughs> every winter... There's 250 people smash their massively expensive Teslas into a pine tree <laughs> and they wreck them. And then they, they can extract the So the batteries and the motors and the control systems incredibly well protected in those cars. So unless it's like 100 miles an hour into a concrete pillar, you can reuse, the, the, the even if the car's written off, you can reuse that. So he's got literally, I don't even know if it's hundreds of tonnes, but a massive warehouse full of battery packs from Teslas yeah. that he's reusing in boats and ships and cars and all sorts of things amazing so we would do that try and do that to to build something that wasn't a car out of yeah. the, the motors and the you know they're incredibly uh powerful his speed boat he's made beautiful converted uh 1950s wooden speed boat that is so much faster than the original one with a big petrol engine in it and it's very quiet and, the,
0: and quiet as well yeah. think of all those wildlife Must it's very quiet it.
1: until it, until we went into the open water where there's a speed limit of five kilometers an hour or five knots and he's, he was just a little bit illegal and he just opened it up. And when it opens up, you suddenly feel the power of this thing because it is, it's is—it's actually a Tesla Model S ludicrous motor in it, which can <laughs> accelerate a car at, at un, an imaginable speed. So he just went, and it went up on the, you know, so the bow was right out the water. And you know.
2: Do you think of you get worried that, because obviously they're going to reuse these electric parts to make more electric stuff, I mean, well, you're welcome for the technical description. Though. Yeah. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> do you ever get worried that we'll get to a stage where, you know, those classic jobs that people had that are a bit more manual and the hands are used, and things, they're all going to disappear. Do you think we're yeah. going to see a society shift? Because I read a National Geographic article which said that babies are losing uh, grip because they tend to swipe a lot more. Yeah. So their muscles are developing differently. And they're not you picking up gonna... things, Yeah, yeah. No. <clears throat> do you think there's going to be an evolutionary change to yeah. us doing more electric stuff?
0: yeah i mean i i mean one of my big worries is less about picking out i haven't thought about the physical piece but the fact that we get society dividing too early into kind of i t and tech people yeah. and yeah, doctors, communicators yeah. and right, them, yeah. and 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 they don't talk to each other and therefore nobody knows what either either side is yeah. doing or wanting and and that yeah. that that does worry me that we need to bring our education back together again to, yeah. to keep it all together. But it's
1: also, I think it is also that thing of, you know, it does show my age, but I'm not ashamed of that, that I had a car when I was in my 20s that when it broke, which it did all the time, yeah. I actually would lift the bonnet and, and, and it would be a struggle. I'm not saying it was easy, but the mechanics of it were so basic there's a bolt there. You've got to undo that, <laughs> yeah. and you take yeah. that bit off, and that th- you replace this bit here, and you, then you put that back, and you do that. Now I look under a, car, under a bonnet of any cars, not elect- just electric cars, and there's a big plastic thing that says Honda or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. i well, uh, you know, where's the spark? Uh, well, you know, think of like changing spark plugs in a modern yeah. car. I wouldn't have a clue. My dad
2: used to basically service his car. Yeah, He I used did. to do yeah. them before he yeah. took for the MOT. And it was such a good bonding moment for us because yeah. we would... And one thing I've noticed about electric, you know, all the technological advancements is that those father-son things have disappeared. So I don't change the car or service the car with him. Yeah. And when he goes to someone's house, he doesn't say, have a conversation about which motorways he took. He's just like, yeah, the, the Tom Tom. Yes. 15 minutes, <laughs> you see these men in their 60s going, you yeah. oh, can't talk about the M6 or the M62 anymore. What should we talk about? <laughs>
1: Well I took I took the A415 to the big roundabout near yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the tree. Yes, yeah, so those conversations yeah, yeah. don't And the, old, right. the
2: old Greyhound racecourse was over there. Yeah, 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 yeah it's shut yeah, down. Yeah. And the whole conversation starts and now these poor yeah. 60-year-olds just sat there going I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. But I know one of my proudest moments is because I have a son and a daughter. My daughter about last year I think was with her boyfriend, had a flat tyre. She got out, stripped the stuff out of the back of the car, oh, yes. jacked the car yeah. up, undid the nuts before she took the weight off, did it. He's standing there. He's an engineer. <laughs> he stood there and he went, Ah. Oh. And I had shown her how, I said, the most important thing I could yeah. ever teach you. One, how to use a chainsaw, which she's a real dab hand at, because we had a tree come down our garden. Right. Terrified, terrified my wife to bits when she came home and saw my daughter, who was then 13, sawing <laughs> <laughs> up big logs. The worrying thing that my daughter did ask me when she was holding a live running chainsaw was, what would happen if I sawed off your face with it? <laughs> that was slightly disturbing. Unnecessary,
0: yes. But I said, you
1: didn't. And I've, I've reminded her of that. She said, yeah, I was just fascinated to know if it would cut." I said, yes, it would. But I wouldn't be dead. Don't uh, yeah. do that. Yeah, don't, don't do that. But, but she learnt how to change it. Uh, why I feel ashamed is I'd never showed my son. My son and I fixed bikes, push bikes. Right. And he did skateboarding. He was just not interested. He never wanted He's learned to drive as an adult, but he's not interested in it. But skateboards and bikes. So I can change the trucks on a skateboard when he cracked the 550th skateboard doing some weird trick.
0: (laughs) Now, I I always remember my mum on the school run in the mornings. She used to have one of those old marinas, a pretty nasty piece of car. And then suddenly it would grind to a halt. And the next thing, she'd leap out of the car, leaving us all in the back, open the bonnet, it was normally the... I think it was the accelerator cable used to fall off. Put it back on, <laughs> slam the boot, jump <laughs> in and drive off. And it was just like... I loved her for that, I have yeah. to say. it was no, that, just is yeah. that is brilliant. so impressive. brilliant. But yeah, I think changing wheels is all we can really do on the modern world. It one. is. It's
1: about it. That's all you can do, yeah. I think you can... I mean, one of the, the questions that we're dealing with at the moment, because there's, su- there's such a movement of converting classic cars to electric drive. You know, we, I've recently driven yeah, a 1980s that. Ferrari that that goes further faster and is quieter than it, <laughs> than it did when it was, you know, it goes further yeah. on a charge than it did on a tank of, of petrol, you know, but there's a lot of hostility about that. Cause obviously some people are very passionate about classic cars and their actual engines. And I think they should keep them. You know, I want. I want. If I if I make it to live for another 20, 30 years, which is you know debatable, that there are some beautiful old Jaguars and Ferraris, and with their original engines that still go, vroom, and loads of smoke comes out that's toxic. But it won't matter because ninety five percent of all the other vehicles on the road are electric. You know, that- I'm just
2: giggling to myself at the thought of in the future someone taking their son or daughter to Formula One, and the only bit they normally used to enjoy, which is the rum, yeah. doesn't happen because it's just silent cars going. Yeah, because <laughs> as a car company, yeah. It has, you missed
1: it. Cause it's <laughs> it is, it's a, there is, well, there is Formula E already. And if you stand next to the track of Formula E, so they look like Formula One cars to the uninitiated. Right. They go very fast. How fast, fast they go? Oh, I don't know, 180 miles an hour. I mean, they're fast. Wow. You know, they're they're, they're wow. like, they're single seat racing cars. With, you know. But what you hear, especially if they've hit each other, the, the two things you hear is one is the tyres. Yeah, and, and the, you do hear a noise from the gearing and the and the motors. There's a whine, but it's nothing right. like as loud as a Formula One car. But you hear the tyres on the corners; they screech a bit. But right, if they've okay. tapped each other in a race. And there's a bit of bodywork hanging off. You would never hear that in a, in a Formula One race oh, or no, any other car. No. But in this, you hear, and it sounds like a kid that's dragging an empty plastic toy box behind their bike. <laughs> it's this weird, hollow plastic it sound. It must also be
2: for the ni- a nightmare for the Formula One driver. He hears the parking sensors going off in the car every time a car comes nearby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> going, oh, shut up, turn it off, I'm yes. driving! <laughs> But they no they're not they're not silent silent but they're very much right. quieter. I mean that's the thing I grew up near a formula 1 near Silverstone where they had formula 1 How racing nice. and the, the noise I can remember making me jump when they all started you know when the guy dropped the flag you know the noise right. of them was just absolutely extraordinary. And in a way that's you know if we removed all petrol cars off the road except for racing cars and classic sports cars yeah The environmental damage that one, you know, 100 Ferraris does is nothing in comparison with a current day traffic jab on the M25. It's just like. Right, yeah.
0: So, some positives and negatives. I mean, just to round off things, I have to ask you one final question and put you on the spot. So, you've got 20 seconds to answer. Can you still be an environmentalist and love cars?
2: Great. I did my best work in 20 seconds. Ask my girlfriend. I think you absolutely can because you can love cars because cars make up one facet of what it means to be an environmentalist. And if you make, I think you're able to make active, environmentally friendly decisions with the car you choose to drive and the way you choose to drive it. So, yeah, I think you can absolutely love cars. I think the kind of cars you love will be different. But I think you can absolutely love cars and be an
0: environmentalist. Oh, I love that answer. I'm gonna nick that answer. (laughs) Robert, Robert, what about you?
1: Yes, I honestly think you can. And I think when you're going to take part in a journey, you go, how will I how far is the journey? What how can I get there? You start with walking, then you go cycling, then you go public transport, then you go trains, then you go, it's raining, it's cold, it's miserable. I'm going to go in an electric car.
0: (laughs) Spot on as well. That's amazing, guys. Thank you so much for being the most amazing panel for the first in this series and goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Great Green Questions. If you like the show, then please rate and review and hit follow to never miss out on an episode. If you have a Great Green question of your own that you would like us to answer, please feel free to get in touch with me on Twitter at Davenport Julia or Insta at davenport.julia. Thank you very much for listening. See you next week.